0: The book of Ezra, chapter number 9, and verse number 3. The book of Ezra, chapter number 9, beginning with verse number 3. Ezra, chapter number 9, beginning with verse number 3. You're there, say I'm there. So when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe and plucked out some of my hair on my head and beard, and sat down astonished. How many knows this guy is in distress when you're taking out your hair and your beard? Then everyone who trembled at these words of God, God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive, and I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice I arose from my fasting, having torn my garment and my robe. I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. And I said, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been very guilty. And for our iniquities, we kings and our priests have been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands and to the sword of the captivity, to the plunder, the humiliation as this day. Verse number 8, And now for a little while grace has been given from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us the measure of revival in our bondage. Just for a few moments, I want to just speak on the thought, a little space of grace, a little space of grace. Would you say that with me? A little space of grace. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would open our ears and our hearts. Father, that we would speak your, that I would speak your word with boldness, that I would say what you want me to say, that all hearts and minds would be captive to your word tonight, and we won't fail to praise you. And everyone said amen. So we're going to look at this story tonight just for a few moments about a man by the name of Ezra. Ezra is a priest unto the Lord. And Ezra was in a time period when this book was written where his people was in captivity for 70 years. Now how many knows if you're in captivity for 70 years, that's a long time to be in bondage. For 70 years his people had been in bondage, and then after 70 years they returned back to their land and when they got back to their land they started rebuilding their homes, they started rebuilding the temple, they started rebuilding their lives. But this is what happens with Ezra. When they got back to their land, they were in the right place. They were rebuilding their homes. They were rebuilding the temple, but there was a problem. Their heart was far from God. They were in the right place, but their heart wasn't in the right place. They were doing the right thing, but they wasn't uh, at the right place in their heart. So in other words, they're in the right place, they're doing the right things, they're building their homes, they're building the temple back, but yet their heart is far from God. And we come to this chapter tonight, in chapter number 9, and Ezra, who is the priest, gets a burden for these people. He is really in distress. He is really in burden of these people. I mean, he's thinking to himself, we have been in bondage for 70 years And God has been faithful to us. God has delivered us from bondage. He's brought us back into our homeland. He's given us grace. We are rebuilding, and yet we are still rebellious. Don't that sound like America? God has given us a land of the home, of the free and the brave. He has given us homes and families, and yet we are still rebellious in our hearts. You see, Ezra was living in this time, he was very burdened, he was very distressed. Can you imagine what Ezra was going through? I mean, these people, his people were in bondage all these years. And God delivered them and brought them back into their land, and yet they're not thankful, they're not grateful for what God has done. The Bible says that they started marrying pagan Women, they started intermarrying with the pagans. And Ezra is so distressed. Ezra doesn't know what to think. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse number three, what does Ezra do? Ezra chapter 9 and verse number 3. Ezra chapter 9, verse 3. So when I heard this, the Bible says he tore, he tore his garments and his robe, he plucked some hair out of his head and beard, and he sat down. And what did he do? He sat down astonished. Why is he astonished? He can't believe that his people are acting this way. He cannot believe that after 70 years of being in bondage, that these people, after returning to their land, would be this way. That they would still be rebellious. And so what does Ezra do? He begins to tear his clothes. He's tearing his beard. I mean, he's, he, he's, tearing, he's tearing his beard, his hair, his clothes. And he sits down and he is just absolutely dismayed. He's astonished. Now, I don't know, but I've been pretty distressed in my life before. But I've never been so distressed that I wanted to pull my beard out. And I've never been so distressed that I wanted to pull my hair out. And I've never been distressed where I pull my clothes off. You know, that, that's never happened to me before. But obviously, Ezra is pretty distressed here. And so what I want you to see in this, I want you to see... The elements of repentance here. I want you to see what happens to Ezra. The elements of repentance. Number one, I want you to see the brokenness of sin. I want you to see how broken he is. What does he do? He tears his clothes, tears his beard, and tears his hair. That is the brokenness of sin. He is in sackcloth and ashes. He is broken because of what his people have done. Let me ask you a question, church. Are you broken over your sin? Are you broken over the sin that you see in your family? Are you the broken over the sin that you see that's happening around you? Or are we just going through the motions and, 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 and the activity of religion, and we're not really broken over sin? What, do you realize, has it, does it comprehend with you that if your family does not confess and repent Christ, Uh, repent and believe in Christ, there is an eternal place called damnation. Does that ring a bell with anybody tonight? Does that concern anyone tonight? Do you realize that the people that you love, if they do not put their faith and trust in Christ alone and give themselves over to Christ, there is a judgment that awaits us. Does that concern us at all? And Ezra is concerned here because these people... We're in bondage and God delivered them and brought them back to the land and they're still rebellious. And he is set in an astonishment. He can't believe what he sees. These people are even marrying pagan women. He's like, I can't even believe what's happening here. So you see the brokenness of sin. You see how he's broken. But now you see in verse number four, you see the openness of sin. You see the openness of sin. Look at Ezra chapter nine, verse four. Ezra nine, verse four. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive and I set astonished until the evening sacrifice. What happens? The Bible says that there is an openness of sin because as he's sitting there, the Bible says in verse number 4, Then everyone trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me. In other words, he is sitting there pulling out his hair. He is sitting there pulling out the beard. He is sitting there pulling his clothes off. And the Bible says these people came around him. They assembled around him. In other words, there is the openness of sin. Not only was Ezra perplexed about this sin, but everybody around him started coming around him and seeing how perplexed he is. So there was this openness of sin Ladies and gentlemen, when God cleans house, there is an openness about sin. There is an openness about sin. You see, when God really does something, He really does something. He cleans out. He begins to clean out the closets. And Ezra is so depressed. Ezra is so despondent. Ezra says, I can't believe what I see. And then these people begin to come around him. The Bible says in verse 4, Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel, see they started to assemble around him because there is an openness about sin. Openness. Now I want you to see the awareness of sin. I want you to see not only do you see the brokenness of it, the the openness of it, but I want you to see the awareness of it. The awareness of sin, and that's found in verse number 4. Look at verse number 4. He says, then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening offering or evening sacrifice. In other words, he was aware of it. He said, I sat there and I was astonished until the evening sacrifice. There was an awareness of sin. He was aware that something was wrong. And ladies and gentlemen, the problem in our own lives is that sometimes we're not even aware of what God wants to do. That is why the Apostle Paul said, Lord, open the eyes of my heart that I may see. When was the last time you prayed dangerous prayers and said, Lord, let me see the things I cannot see? If you really want to change, you got to be aware of it. And Ezra was aware that something was wrong. Ezra was aware that these people had been delivered, but yet they're not grateful that God has brought them out and they're turning back to the same sin that God brought them out of. You see, he was astonished. You see the brokenness of it. You see he's tearing his hair, tearing his beard. You see, there's an openness about it because people started coming around him. They were aware of the sin and now there's an awareness. He said, I was astonished over it. That word astonished means He was troubled over it. He was depressed over it. He was aware of it. Oh, hallelujah. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you call true repentance here. There's an awareness of it. True repentance is not saying, I'm sorry and I won't do it again. But true repentance is acknowledging, I did it. And I grieved God and I grieved you. And therefore, I want to make amends to it. It's called the power of restitution. Not just saying you're sorry. But Zacchaeus said, Lord, if I offended anyone, I'll repay fourfold. It's the restitution that goes with it. You see, so you see, you see the brokenness, the openness, you see the awareness of it. And I want you to see the expression of repentance. I want you to see what happens as a result of repentance. I want you to see the expression of repentance of repentance. The expression of repentance is verse number five. Verse number five is submission. You'll see submission. When you truly repent, there is submission that will always follow. And that is Ezra chapter nine, verse five. At the evening sacrifice, look at it. I arose from my fasting, having torn my garments and my robe. I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. What does he do? He spreads out his hands And he's in total submission to God. When there is true repentance, there is total submission to God. You see what he's doing? He is making a sign of submission to God. He is lifting his hands to God as a sign of total submission. How many knows that when we lift our hands to God in the sanctuary, it is a sign of total submission to God? Somebody say amen. So Ezra, go back to the scripture, Ezra, Ezra is submitted to God At the evening sacrifice, he arose. He tore his garments. After he tore his garments, he fell down on his knees. And the Bible says he spread out his hands. Can you imagine Ezra? He's on his knees with his hands lifted as a total total submission to God. He's already acknowledged sin because, you see, that's what happens. When you acknowledge the sin in your life, You can't help but to get on your knees. And that's what Ezra does. Ezra gets on his knees. He spreads out his hands to God in total submission. And then you see, he was humiliated over the sin. So you see, there is submission as a result of repentance, but then there is a sense that you are humiliated because of the sin. Look at, you look at verse 6, Ezra chapter 9 Ezra chapter 9, verse number 6. Ezra chapter 9, verse number 6. And I said, oh my God. Now look at this. Look at verse 6. Oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God. For all my iniquities have risen higher than my heads. And our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Do you see what Ezra is saying here? Ezra is saying, I'm humiliated. My guilt is over my head. My sin is over my head. My sin is bigger than I am. Do you see how humiliated he is over his sin? Listen, when you have truly rebelled against God, there is a sense of humiliation that I have sinned and I am shameful for what I've done. Do you see the words of this priest? Oh my God, I'm too ashamed. Oh my God, I'm too humiliated even to lift my face up to you. For our iniquities are higher than our heads. I'm reminded of David. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, do you remember what David said? David was so full of shame and David was so full of guilt. David penned those words in Psalms. He is the glory and the lifter of my head. Because when you are in sin... Sin has a way of keeping your head down in humiliation. Ezra is crying out. Ezra is saying, my people, they've sinned against you. And our guilt is higher than our own heads. So you see that he submitted to God. He got down on his hands and knees. He lifted up his hands. He submitted, but also he's humiliated over the sin. Then I want you to see the admission of sin. Verse number 6, verse number 6, verse number 6. I said, oh my God, I'm too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads. Our guilt has grown to the heavens since the days of our fathers this day. We have been very guilty for our iniquities. We are kings, our priests have been delivered into the hand of the kings of other lands, to the sword of the captivity, to the plunder, and to the humiliation as it is to this day. You know what Ezra is saying? Ezra is saying, Lord, this has been a problem for a long time. Lord, this has been a problem. This, This just didn't start with us. As a matter of fact, Lord, this problem that we have, this problem of the rebellious heart, Lord, it's been traced all the way back to our Father. Ladies and gentlemen, the sin of America is not something new today. We can trace it all the way back to our fathers. Uh, We we act like, you know, we act like homosexuality is a, a big deal. It is a big deal according to the Word of God, but it's not a new problem. We can trace it all the way back even to the Roman Empire. It's been a problem for centuries. Ladies and gentlemen, sin is not a new problem it's something that has been, can be traced all the way back to our forefathers. You see what Ezra is saying? Ezra is saying, this is, I've, I'm submitted to you, I'm, I'm humiliated over this. And the admission of this is, it's been going on a long time. And in closing, I want you to see this. And, and I read this. I read this and it, You know, you ever read something and, I, you know, I say this all the time, but it's true because the Word of God is so good. I read this, I'm like, that is so good, you know, it's just, it's, it's awesome. You go to verse number, verse number eight. Verse number eight. And this is what he says. And now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God, Boy, somebody say hallelujah. Now, I want to read it to you in the King James. In the King James translation, this is what it says And now, for a little space, grace has been shown from the Lord our God. In other words, Ezra is saying, God has given us grace in our little space. Uh, we don't have much grace, but he has given us grace. A little grace, a little space of grace He has given us. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I believe that God has put a little space of grace right in Galena, Kansas. I believe that God has put a little space of grace right in America. Do you know why? Do you know why God is still blessing America? Because all throughout America, there's little spaces of grace throughout the nation. Somebody shout, "Hallelujah! There's little spaces of grace throughout America. And ladies and gentlemen, this place, Christ Point Church, it don't matter what's happening around us. This is a space for the grace of God. A little space for the grace of God. And then you see what it says in verse number eight. He says, "And now a little while grace has been shown from the Lord. Now get this, don't lose this. For the Lord our God to leave a remnant to escape and to give us a peg. You know what a peg is? A nail. A nail in his holy place. And our, and our God may enlighten our eyes. And get this, verse 8. And give us a measure of revival even in our bondage. I don't know about you, but that's shouting territory there. I'm going to read that to you again. That he will give us a measure of revival even in our bondage. Woo, I'm going to say it again. He's going to give us revival even in the midst of bondage. I don't care who gets elected to office. We're going to have revival in the midst of our bondage. Woo, somebody should shout hallelujah. I know this is a Sunday night, but somebody raise your hands and say hallelujah for the Word of God. Hallelujah. And that scripture, he says, there's going to be a space of grace. But not only is there going to be a space of grace, I'm going to send revival even in your bondage. When I read that scripture, I just had to speak in tongues. I was like I thank you, Lord, that my environment doesn't dictate my revival. I'm going to say that again. My environment doesn't dictate what God wants to do. Hallelujah. There's going to be a revival even in the midst of bondage. You see, Ezra When he was praying, he got a hold of God. And he was like, you know what? Even though they may be rebellious, even though they may not be thankful, I know God's still going to keep His word, and there's going to be revival even in the midst of people who are rebellious. And God gave me a word tonight to tell you, it don't matter what's going to take place in America, we're going to have revival in the midst of our bondage. Hallelujah. He says, he says, there's a remnant. I'm going to get a peg in the house of God. I'm going to put a nail in the house of God. What is he saying? A nail is something that is stuck or stable. It's like you, you take a hat and you hang your hat, you know, on, on a peg or a nail. That symbolizes, God is saying, I'm going to establish you. I'm going to put you in a place where there is going to be grace and I'm going to put you in a place where I'm going to send my presence. Yes. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. I know this is Sunday night, but I prophesy in the name of Jesus. I prophesy in the name of Jesus that God would send an earth-shaking, Holy Ghost-filled revival to Galena, Kansas. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even in the measure of our bondage, he'll send revival. And when I read that, when I read it, I just felt like the Lord was saying, listen, quit looking at everything that's going on around you and heed to the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is, if I said it, it's going to happen no matter what you see around me. Hallelujah. This ain't a time for us to get sad. It ain't a time for us to, no, no, it ain't a time for you to look like you lost your best friend. This is, we're living in one of the greatest times in all of history. I said we are living in one of the greatest times of history. Y'all get ready because God's getting ready to do something. He's going (laughs) to. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. I said somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. What do you do when you prepare a table? He, when you prepare a table, you do it to meet a need. And David said, God's going to meet your need in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to meet your need, whether the devil likes it or not. Hallelujah. I'm going to meet your need. Hallelujah. Ezra. Begin to pray now. I'm going to close this this scripture. Ezra 9.13. Preachers are allowed three closings. If y'all didn't know that. Ezra 9.13. This is what he says. I love it. And after all that has come upon us for all of our evil deeds, and for our great guilt guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and have given us such a deliverance as this. I don't know about you, but you know what Ezra realized? He says, If you really, if you really judged us with what we really deserved. We wouldn't be able to be in the land that we are today. But Lord, I thank you that you didn't give us what we truly deserved. You gave us a space of grace. Gives us a space of grace. What about it, my friend? What about it? Are you going to be a space of grace for people? Are you going to be a, a place where people can experience the grace of God? You can be a space of grace for someone in your life. Because everywhere you walk is a space. And you can be a space of grace for someone. In this Easter season, I want you to invite somebody to church. And I want you to be a space of grace for somebody. Show grace someone